Welcome to the Pikes Peak Christian Church Sermon Podcast. The NFL this year has had bigger stories that took the wind out of it with um, a spouse abuse issue and, and maybe the biggest one when possibly the best player in the NFL um, lost his right to play this season because of how he disciplined his little son and leaving welts on his body. And it raised a whole debate in our culture of what is appropriate discipline? And should a child ever be spanked or, or use the switch on them? And I'm not here today to de- debate the pros and cons of all that. I will tell you this, that I grew up in a home where I experienced um, being spanked. And actually, my, my dad used a belt on um, us boys I don't know if, it, if the girls ever got it, but the boys did. Boys tend to be a little tougher. And mom would use a wooden spoon if she ever needed to. And you know what? I have to admit, I wasn't scarred by that. Um, it, it didn't uh, ruin my life. I would have to also say that I had it coming when I got it. So um, as a parent, there were, there were a few occasions. I could probably count them on one hand when I actually spanked uh, my children. But, you know, I'm not here to, to, to take one side or the other side of that. As much as I say, being an active parent in the disciplining of, of children is a very critical role. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the role of discipline in lives of parenting. If you have um, an outline on the back of your bulletin, you'll want to jot some things down, especially parents, especially young parents. If you're a teenager today, maybe for the first time you'll understand why mom and dad do what they do, why sometimes they can seem so tough on you. You'll understand that a little bit better today. Uh, If the purpose in disciplining our kids is simply to get them to stop behaving a certain way or to start behaving a certain way, uh, I think maybe you'll miss the bigger picture. Discipline is, is far bigger than that. We're not in the business of just managing habits. We're in the business of molding hearts. And that's really what we want to do in this area of discipline. Now, my wife and I, on occasion, will watch a, sh- a show on TV called The Dog Whisperer. And some of you, have any of you seen that? Um, Cesar Milan, just, he's magical with these dogs. And I can't believe sometimes how he can take these, these beasts and bring them in the line. But p- people will tell him, you know, my dogs um, nip at the guests when they're in the house. Or when I take my dog for a walk, they're always yanking on the leash and, and running all over the place. And my dog won't stop barking at night. What do I do? And every single time, Cesar Milan does not begin with the dog. He begins with the owners of the dogs. He says, the problem isn't the dog. The problem is you. And how you're training your dogs. And I think it's so true that in our culture today, we can look out and see, you know, rebellious teenagers and kids having wild parties and kids being promiscuous and all this and say, you know, the kids today are out of control. But if the the dog whisperer were here today, he would say, there's a problem with the owners. That the problem isn't the kids, it's the parents. And so we need to look at ourselves today as parents and what is our role in discipline and what are the issues we need to change For some of you, you've been very permissive. You've seen discipline as a nasty thing and a thing you really don't want to be part of, and so you don't do much of it. And some are very strict disciplinarians and authority figures, and you're, by golly, my kids are going to behave whether they like it or not, and so you're real tough on your kids. And we we have to learn from the Holy Spirit this all-important role because to not discipline is to abdicate your parental responsibility. But to do it wrongly, to do it too harshly, for example, can not only scare your kids, it can scar them for life. It could set them up for failure down the road in their life as well. It says in the book of Proverbs 13, verse 24, the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Careful to discipline. I think that's the key. 
We want to discipline, but we want to do it carefully. We want to do it thoughtfully. I'd like us today to think about this subject. Some of you have never really thought about it. As a couple, you've never really talked about why you do what you do. You talked about what you do, but not why you do what you do. And I want us to look at the bigger picture of discipline. And in order to do that, we're going to look at a passage that talks about God and how he treats us as his children. It's found in Hebrews chapter 4 in the Bible. The Bible is an ancient book, but has a profound wisdom in so many practical areas of our lives. And believe it or not, the Bible gives us some very practical advice for how to discipline our kids. And so we're going to look at that today. But before we do, I want, I want the Holy Spirit to be the whisperer today, to be the parent whisperer, to help you and I hear the subtle voice of the Spirit that we would discipline our children in such a way that their hearts are shaped in a way that pleases the Lord. So let's pray today. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that you'd speak to us as we open it up. Help us, Father, to love your children, to discipline your children, to raise your children in a way that they would love you and serve you for the rest of their lives. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now, to give you just a little bit of backdrop, there's a couple of verses that introduce this. Starts in verse four of Hebrews 12. In your struggle against sin... You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, now listen, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. See, parents discipline their kids. The neighbor doesn't discipline your kids typically. The friend doesn't discipline the kid, but the parents do. That's a proof that you're a child. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Amen. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. And it says very clearly there that discipline is a sign of love, that it's proof that you're a child of God. In a spiritual sense, that's true, and it's true in the biological sense that our children, when they're disciplined, get proof that they belong to us, that that they are our children. That's a sign of love to them. You know, God loves us so much that he accepts us where we are. Wherever you are, wherever you've come from in your life, you need to know this. God accepts you where you are. Some of you are here for the first time. Some of you have given up on church. Some of you are curious what church is all about. I I just need to clarify with you that God loves you where you are. God loves you so much, he accepts you where you are. But God loves you so much that he won't leave you where you are. God loves you so much that he will bring you out of where you are. Because he knows that where we are is in a good place. And God loves us too much just to leave us there. So he's active as a parent to bring us out of that to a better place. As parents, we love our kids so much that we not only love them for who they are, but we love them so much that we're going to get in their business to help them get out of where they are because folly is bound up in the heart of a child, the Bible says. There's issues they have to work through. There's sin issues. But God loves us enough to discipline us. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. In chapter 13, 
Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Even in the book of Hebrews, when God speaks of his children, excuse me, the book of Revelation, he speaks of his children saying, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. You know, if God didn't care, he wouldn't discipline us. If parents didn't care, they wouldn't discipline us. You know, there was a survey done of employees in, a, in businesses And they were asked, if you had a choice between working for a boss who was very strict and critical of your work or a boss who just didn't say anything, which would you prefer to work for? And the vast majority said they prefer to work for the boss who was critical and harsh. And you know why? Because when the boss doesn't say anything, when he's apathetic toward you, it's like he's saying, you don't matter at all to me. You're not worth my investment. Where at least here, when they're getting in your business, they care enough Even though you don't like always what they say and do, they care enough to get involved in your life. Parents who don't care are very permissive. They think that's caring for their kids, but it's actually the opposite. It's a sign that you must not love them because you don't care enough to get in their business. If you see someone heading for danger, if you love them, you stop them. That's what parenting does. It works to help our children. Now, it sounds contradictory because because I love you, I'm going to spank you. Or because I love you, you're going to be in timeout. Because I love you, I'm going to take your cell phone away from you. Doesn't feel like love. In fact, sometimes parents will use these words, it hurts me more than it hurts you. No kid believes that. No kid. I mean, kids would say, let's switch places then. Let me spank you if it hurts you so much. But it does, it hurts us. We don't like that. And we agonize. In fact, I would say this, if you love punishing your kids, you are are sadistic. There's something wrong with you because it ought to be tearing us up inside. You know, I, 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 it hurts me to do this. Sometimes you cry when you discipline your kid. That's probably a good sign that, that you're doing it in a very tender, careful way. But we need to know that, that love isn't always nice. That love sometimes has an edge to it that creates pain. And, and it just seems contradictory to what we believe because we think love always preserves you from pain. But sometimes love actually puts you in the path of pain. Example of this would be drill instructors working with Navy SEALs. You know, and watching the movie American Sniper and watching the training they're going through, these drill instructors are causing pain to the men they're training. And they're putting them, putting them through awful circumstances. And I know anybody who's been in the military, you, you've been through that. You go through some very painful, uncomfortable circumstances. Are they getting revenge? No, no, it's not big. Are you being punished for something you did? No, no. You're being prepared. And it's painful. Love isn't always pleasant. Love sometimes inflicts pain. And we need to remember that in the, in the course of disciplining our kids, that it has to come from this heart of love. We need to be motivated by love. Sometimes as parents, especially I think dads, we can get all wrapped up around the rules. And my dad used to use this phrase, because I said so. You go, dad, why? Because I said so. You know, that doesn't work when kids get older. It doesn't work very well. And uh, so when you have your rules, sometimes you can focus so much on the rules that they become the thing you love more than the kids. There was a father that uh, um, told his son to mow the lawn, and his son had a bad habit of not paying attention, and they had this little flower bed that was just like right next to their yard, and in the past, he had actually mowed over some flowers, not knowing that these were flowers, thinking they were weeds. Sure enough, this time he goes over that same flower bed again, mows over the flowers that he thinks are weeds. And the dad is ready to go ballistic. He's ready to storm out of that house and wring his son's neck. And his wife grabs him and says, Honey, 
Are we raising flowers or sons? And see, we can, we can come across to our kids that I love my rules. Because to be honest, rules are an extension of the personality. The, the commandments of God are an extension of who God is. When you break them, you, you're saying something about God. And so when, when mom or dad has these other rules, and you say, oh, I don't like the rules, it's, you take it personally. But the danger is you take it so personally, you, get, you, you act out of revenge toward your kids. And you're going to protect your rules. And I would say this, that if there's something we ought to fight for, it's not the rules. It's the relationship. Because you can win the battle for your rule and get your kids to conform, and you can lose the hearts of your kids in the process. You know, I told you to put the dishes in the dishwasher. I told you to put your clothes in the hamper. By golly, you're going to do it. And the kids finally do it. And you go, there, I'm happy now. And the kid's saying, yeah, I'm not. And I hate you. So somehow we've got to be careful that we don't love our rules more than the relationship we have with our kids. It's the love for the kids that prompts us to discipline them. And if we start to flex our authority saying, I'm going to show you who's top dog around here, I think our attitude's in the wrong place. Most rules are very subjective. Most rules that we would devise in our own homes aren't, aren't laws of the land. They're not commands of the Bible. I mean, think about it. Do your homework. Make your bed. Put dishes in the dishwasher. Turn the lights off. Take shorter showers. You know, all these things that we may have as rules within our homes. Show me a scripture that tells us those things. And you say, well, it's not a scripture. Well, are they going to get in trouble legally if they don't make their bed? No, no, it's just a rule, okay? It's your rule. It's your rule. Now, be careful with this because you can, you can make all kinds of rules at the home, but just know this. It's your preferences. Their preferences. You want your kid to make their bed every morning? That, that's good. That's your rule. That's okay. Have that as a rule, but know this. Nowhere in Scripture does it say the kids have to make their bed every morning. What we have to do is, is lay the foundation of the values. Why, why, why do they need to make their bed? Um, why do they need to turn the lights off? Why do they need to put the dishes in the dishwasher? When you start to explain, well, the reason we turn the lights off, we want to be good stewards of the resource, the money God gives us. Your mom and dad pay those bills. If you want to start paying them, you can, you can chip in a little bit. But, you know, you get 10-minute showers. Lights go off, you know, when you're not in the room, that kind of stuff. So you, there's a value in it. The, the reason you put the dishes in the dishwasher is because, because those are your dishes. You ate off of them. Shouldn't be your, your mother's job. It shouldn't be your brother's job or sister's job. Those are yours. If that's your rule, lay the foundation of the value. But if you just make the rules and we fight over those rules, we can end up with all kinds of arguments. Your kids may grow up and say, you know what, that's not going to be a rule in my house. And so do we, do we want to transfer the rules from generation to generation or do we want to transfer the values generation to generation? I would say we would want the values passed on to our grandkids and our great-grandkids. The values behind the rules. We say to our kids, you know, I love you too much to let you become a slob. I love you too much to let you be rude to your mother. I love you too much to let you be an irresponsible person. I love you. So love is the foundation of it. And then discipline, secondly, is a tool of learning. It's a great opportunity. I think one of the greatest opportunities for instruction as a parent, it's in discipline. In fact, the word discipline comes from the root word that means to train a child. And all you have to do is think of what Jesus told us to do, to go and make disciples. Disciple and discipline 
are, are words that are connected together. We don't think of go and make disciples, go and punish people. We think go and make someone who's a learner. Go and raise the people who are learners about Jesus. So discipline is primarily learning. We want to learn. And we have to ask ourselves, what are our kids learning from the way we're disciplining them? And if we confine discipline to punishment, and I think that's what comes to mind. Did you discipline your kids? It's, did you punish your kids? Uh, we think about that immediately, punishment. But I would say that's only a portion of discipline. There's another aspect of discipline that I think is even more important. It's to allow adversity to come into their lives. Uh, or as Hebrews says, hardship. Endure hardship as a child of God. Hardship is something you allow into your child's life to grow because as one football player said last week, adversity builds character. You'll build strong character when it's tested. So discipline has these two, two aspects to it. On the one hand, there's the punishment. There's a punishment. You break these rules and there are consequences. And the consequences vary according to the, the, the action. But it could be something like, you know, a privilege is taken away from you. It could be that the consequence is um, you're going to pay someone back. You've got to cho- do some chores or earn some money to pay someone back. Maybe the consequence is a spanking. I don't know. There's a consequence for this behavior because you want a little bit of pain, whether it be physical or emotional or financial, to be associated with the action so they won't repeat it. But... Uh, we learn in the midst of those circumstances. In the book of Psalms, um, chapter 119, David is writing about his experience with the Lord and how God had redirected his life. And punishment redirects us. It corrects the course. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Why did God afflict David? So that he could learn and get back on the path that he should have been on. And sometimes it takes a little bit of pain and consequence to say, you know what, I never want to do that again. I want to stay on this course. So there is an aspect of punishment, but there's also an aspect of discipline that I would call just simply preparation. It's preparation. It's training for something later. And so um, the military goes through this with boot camp and all the training to get ready for what's coming down the road. Every sports team goes through a season of spring training, of preparation. I remember um, going through the drills when I was in high school and playing basketball, and we ran all the time. I mean, back and forth and back and forth and back. By the end of practice, we're hanging our heads because we're so tired, and the coaches say, get up to the line. We're going to do the line drill again. Ready, go. He blows the whistle, and we're you're dragging our feet, and he's pushing us, pushing us. Is he mad at us? Uh, most of the time he wasn't. There were a few times he was, and, but most of the time he wasn't. But he's pushing us, and he's pushing us because he knows there's going to come games when in the fourth quarter, when the other team's starting to get tired, you're going to be fresh because, because you've been stretched. You've been prepared for this time. Hardship prepares us. And I look back to my childhood, and I have to admit, there were times I was, I didn't like my dad. There were times I was angry at my dad because my dad would maybe do, I thought, ridiculous things. For example, we lived down the corner, uh, had a corner lot. Our sidewalk on either side of the house was like from here to the back door in both directions. This long and a little sidewalk all the way, both sides. Now, when it snows in Wisconsin, it is very different than snow in Colorado. I mean, this stuff here is so wimpy. You, you can just go and blow it off your car. You never get snow like that in Wisconsin. The snow there is you reach down and it's a snowball. You just pick it up. It's wet. It's ready to go. Um, the bad thing is when you, try to, when you have to shovel, you cannot get big shovelfuls 
because it's so wet and heavy. And so we'd get, the snow would come down, and we'd get this much snow, and the plows would come and, and plow it onto the sidewalk as well. So now we've got this much, a very heavy, packed down snow. And I've got to shovel from here to there and here to there. And so while I'm out there under my breath, I'm saying, oh, I hate my dad. <laughs> I would use that anger to, to get in there and get it done, you know. And uh, I hated that. My friends are in playing video games or watching TV. I'm out here shoveling this incredibly long sidewalk on either side. I hate it. And then, and then in the, the summer, my dad would put me out in the garden to pull weeds. And they come and they just grow back. <laughs> so I would go out there and I'm pulling weeds and pulling weeds and pulling weeds. And, you know, Dad, the, the guys are going to be at the ballpark. When you're done pulling weeds, you can go play ball. So I'd be out there for four or five hours in the garden pulling weeds, go up, get, get cleaned up, go off and play ball with my friends. And you know what? I, I kind of resented that as a kid. You know, I never said, yay, weed day. You know, it was like, ah, <laughs> hardship. My dad's giving me hardship. But I would tell you this. When I became an adult and had my own home and I had a yard to take care of, it's a piece of cake. I, I actually like it. I go out there and work in the yard and go, man, this is fun. I, you know, I enjoy the exercise of working in the yard. You know, don't you, you, and I look back, how come I feel that way? Because my son hates working in the yard. He hates shoveling snow. It doesn't bother me. You know why it doesn't bother me? Because I've been trained. Trained. You know, when you do the, when you pay a price earlier, it saves you from paying a price down the road. It's like, you know, when the Black Forest fires came through, they started, they started going through and cutting the limbs of the trees to a certain height. You know, they, 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 you know, we're going to cut all the trees that are below, I don't know, it's eight feet or ten feet. We're going to cut all the limbs below the, tree, the, those, the, the trees uh, at that height because when the, when the fires come through, they won't have as much kindling to grab a hold of. We're paying a smaller price now so we don't pay a bigger price down the road. And that's what this preparation is for. God says, yeah, it's going to hurt. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. And I don't care if it's your dad giving you chores or if it's you going to the gym or if you've got PT in the morning. Nobody says, oh, it's awesome. I love it. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. It's hard. And you look down the road to what it's training you to become. That's the key. It's preparation. Discipline is training and correction in a Godward direction. Training, getting you down, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets off the course, you, you correct them. Training and correction in a Godward direction. He says in Hebrews, the goal is not happiness. The goal is holiness. So that we can be like God. We can have the character of God, which leads to happiness. But if our goal is, you know, I don't want to make my kids unhappy and give them chores and all that hard. I'm, I'm going to be the nice parent, the loving parent. That's not the loving thing to do. The loving thing is to raise them so where you look down the road when they become an adult and they've got a home to take care of and they've got children to change diapers of and grandkids to raise, they're able to do that and they can do it because you've equipped them for it. I was reading a story of John Townsend in his book, Boundaries, or excuse me, Henry Cloud and John Townsend. It's called Boundaries for Kids. And Henry Cloud was at dinner at somebody's house and he says, after the dinner, the wife of the couple went down the hall to her son's bedroom Son's name was Cameron. Cameron was sitting in his room. And she went down there, and she was gone for a while. So Henry just wandered down the hallway to see what she was doing because she heard them talking. And he noticed that when he walked in the room, she was picking up his dirty clothes. She was straightening up things around his room. And while she's doing that, she's having a conversation with her son who's just sitting on the bed. And Henry Cloud's appalled at this. 
that mom's doing the son's chores. And so he says to this woman, I feel sorry for the wife your son's going to marry. And she stopped and she got stunned because she said, she thought to herself, I thought by doing this for my son, it was the loving thing. Not realizing that it was unloving because she's setting him up to think that everyone else in his life is there to serve him. And that's not how life is. And when he gets married and expects his wife to do everything for him, pity that woman. said, you need to raise your son thinking down the road. And that's what discipline does. It looks down the road to the harvest. He says, there's a harvest of peace and righteousness for those who've been trained by it. You look down the road to, what will my kids become? It's not the immediate. Yes, it's hard. It's difficult to be a parent. It's difficult to discipline. But I'm looking down the road to what they will be like as adults and as parents. That's the key. We're looking down the road. So let's get real practical. If if Cesar Milan were here and he would say, start with the parents, let's do that. What are some ways that we can learn to discipline better? I want to give you four tips. Number one is be committed. Be committed to this thing called discipline. If you bring children into the world, you've got to be committed to raise them. And part of raising them is disciplining them until the time they leave your care. So it could be 18 or 22 or 27, I don't know, whatever. whatever it is. When your kids leave home, they're on their own and you've done your part. But all through those years, you're committed to being invested in their discipline. Now, here's what some parents do, especially when you have your first kid. I don't want to be that tough parent. I don't want to be the, the parent who's looked at as fearful to my kids. I want to be their friend. I want to be their playmate. And so we, we seek to be friends with kids, and it's cute. You know, your kid throws stuff on the floor and has a little temper tantrum, and it's cute when they're little. It's not so cute when they're in grade school and junior high. And now you try to feel like, I've got to get really tough on that kid now, but I tell you, it's too late. You set up patterns in their life. You need to start when they're young. James Dobson says when, when uh, teachers start a season in school, he says they need to be the toughest they'll ever be the first couple weeks of school. Lay the foundation, establish the pack leader of the class, who's in charge, let the kids know that, let them know what this is all about. And then if you need to loosen up the rules and the boundaries a little bit, you can do that. But it's so hard to come back later. It would be like in a sports world of referees saying, you know what, we're just going to let everything go. And then you find out that guys are just swinging left and right and, and, and pushing each other. And so in the fourth quarter, you say, you know what, we need to crack down. Let's, let's enforce the rules. It's too late. It's too late then to do it. You've got to start when they're young. Be committed to the process. And be committed that if you're going to discipline, that you'll follow through. I like what Ed Young says. He's a pastor in Texas. When you give in, no one will win. And I hear quite often parents making idle threats to their kids. You know, they'll, they'll say things, um, they'll, they'll tell their kids to do something, won't do it, tell them again, won't do it. And then they'll get to where, um, I've told you a half dozen times, get to your room and clean it up. And you know what? The kid goes, okay, now they mean it. They didn't mean it the first five times, but now they mean it. And if you have to say, I'm going to count to five, what ha- what's wrong with one? <laughs> what's wrong with one? Why do you have to count to five? Don't you mean what you say? The, the idle threats sometimes, when, when parents say, you know, I, I, I told him 18 times, why did you have to tell him 18 times? Was there no consequence after time one or two? Because kids will do this. They'll find out where that time is when you really mean it. And when mom and dad start screaming, that's when they really mean it. Okay, that's, that's, that's what you're training them to do. 
You're training them to know that when you get really angry, that's when your yes means yes and your no means no, but not before that. So we have to be careful. You know, we were at a, a family's house. They had the three little kids. And dad told the kids, if you don't finish your food, you will not get dessert. Very clear. Crystal clear. And so the kids are eating and eat half of their food. Daddy, can I have dessert? What did I tell you? I told you to eat your food and then you get dessert. They'll eat a little bit more. Is that enough, Daddy? And daddy's repeating himself one more time. And, uh, and then they go, daddy, I'm full, but can I have some dessert? And dad's now getting really angry and loud. Like, I told you, you eat that food. I put it on your fork, put it in your mouth and swallow it. And then you'll get your dessert. And dad's getting all worked up over this. And I'm thinking, why is dad? It's almost like dad, dad needs them to eat their dessert for some reason because he's pushing, he's trying to make sure they'll get to their dessert. Why don't you just say, kids, if you finish your food, you get dessert. Kids gets half done, says, can I have dessert now? Nope. Go put your dish in the dishwasher. Put your food in the trash. Go to your room. I want dessert. I told you. You ask one more time, you're done. Why, why, why can't we just get our yes be? Why do we have to wait until we get all worked up? You know, I think sometimes some of us should send our preschoolers to the government to be um, negotiators, negotiators with hostages. <laughs> Our preschoolers would be so much better than we are. You know, they just, they whine and they smile and we think it's cute, but, you know, mean what you say. Mean what you say and say what you mean. And I think this is so critical for single parents to be committed to this process of discipline because um, a lot of single parents who are working so hard to provide for their kids and have all the burden of both parenting roles, oftentimes in the house, who get so tired. And I, I've seen this, and I know you single parents mean so well, but sometimes you're just so dang tired that you get home and you say, you know, I, I don't care. And you know what? My kids have been through so much with their dad, and they've suffered so much through this divorce that, that I, I just don't have the heart to inflict pain in their lives. And I know you mean well, but it's the worst thing you could do. Now, don't, don't lose your cool doing it, but be firm in your discipline. It's the best thing you can do for these kids. They need to know you care enough to get involved in their business. And single dads, and this isn't always the case, but sometimes the dad's the one that's not having custody of the kids. And the dad shows up on the weekend, and he's got money to spend. We're going to Chuck E. Cheese's. We're going to a movie. We're all done having fun. I'll bring you back to your mother. And that's not fair either. Dad, you owe it to your kids to be one sometimes that brings the correction, brings the training into their lives. It takes two parents to raise a kid. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, brings up, brings up this whole subject of corporal punishment. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Again, another passage in the book of Proverbs. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Now, people will quote that oftentimes and justify, you know what? See, the Bible says you, know, you, you get to beat your kids. And I want to caution you. Now, I don't personally think that there's anything wrong in certain cases to give a child a spanking. I don't, personally, from my experience as a parent and as a child, um, I think there's an appropriate place. I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've spanked their kids. Um, but I want to throw this out to you. For those of you who might use this and, and repeat this verse to your kids, to know that it may be just the, the symbolic statement that discipline, because of its painful process, is, is that rod 
is not a literal rod. Much like in Psalm 23 where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, thy rod and thy staff, they scare the liver out of me. No, they, they comfort me, right? <laughs> thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Whatever the rod is, is not something that I, that I run for cover from. A rod for a shepherd is to keep the, keep the sheep in line, keep them from going off and getting into dangerous areas. When you discipline right, and even if you use corporal punishment, if you do it right, your kids will come back, and, and it may not be immediate, but they'll come back and they'll say thank you for it. They'll say thank you for it. And sometimes even your little preschooler will come back and crawl in your lap and just want to be loved on. Because they know. Kids, kids know. Especially if it's a fair, um, fair punishment. What they don't want to do is be afraid of mom and dad. You know, sometimes with, with our dogs, when they've been naughty and we've been really tough on our dogs, I can just raise my hand and they kind of jump back. And sometimes our kids do that. And if our kids do that, that's a sign that our hand has become a weapon to them. We've got to be real careful. Our kids don't see us and become afraid of us. Respect. Discipline brings respect for authority. That's a good thing. There's kind of a holy, reverent fear, but not the terror that I want to get away from this as far as I can. There needs to be the, the, the feeling that I know this person loves me. So, so be committed. Be clear. Be clear. What are the boundaries? Anybody playing games knows that you need boundaries. When I was a kid, we'd play hide-and-seek or we'd have a pickup game of, of baseball or something. And, and before we started the game, we always said, okay, um, the street over here is one boundary. The fence over there is another boundary. Mrs. Jensen's yard is another boundary. You know, we set up the boundaries. And within the boundaries, we could play. Kids know that. They need to know where the boundaries are. You know, who they can play with, what they can eat and can't eat, what they can watch and can't watch, where they can go on the computer, where they can't go, what they can do with their cell phone, what they can't do, you know, um, what, where they can go with the car and they can't go, all those kind of things. Where are the boundaries that you set for them? Be very clear, which means a lot of conversation. And the conversation can't just be because I told you so. As the kids get older, and I hear this from some of our teenagers, uh, mom and dad tell me that rule, but I don't, I don't know why. And they said it's because that was the rule for them. <laughs> I need to know why. Why is it? As kids get older, they want to know the value behind the rules. So it takes a lot of conversation to make those rules very clear. And I think by the time the child gets to be 16, 17, and 18, you, you keep pulling those rules back. It's sort of like a little tree when, it, when it's growing up. You put those um, cables around it and you stake it to the ground so it doesn't um, break in the wind. But as that tree gets a stronger base and gets taller, you can take those off. I think our kids are like that. When they're young, you have a lot of boundaries, a lot of rules. But as they get older, you have less and less and less. Because here's the goal. One day, they are going to go out on their own. And hopefully you've built within them a heart of character that will guide their decisions from then on. When they go to college, you can't enforce your curfew on them. You probably can't tell them what to eat or what to watch or where to go on the computer, what to do and not do on dates and parties. And all. You won't get to do that. But if you've got a hold of their heart, they'll make the, the wise, mature decisions you hope they would. And not only that, but when they start raising your grandkids, you'll be confident that they're doing a good job because you've trained them well. So we want to be able to do that with our kids. I remember a time when my wife and I, I think it was our 10th anniversary, we went to Mexico. We went to Mexico for a week for our 10th anniversary. And we left our kids at home alone. Now, we don't have any family that lives here. So they stayed in our house alone. And uh, we had a neighbor that was very close to us. Some of you know Scott and Nell Price. And they were there to, to see our kids and check in on our kids and uh, have dinner with our kids. But you know what? In many ways, our kids were on our own. And we were okay with that because 
they were pretty mature. Especially our daughter was pretty mature. And we didn't have to worry. Some of you are terrified. You've got teenagers. You can't even leave them alone in the house while you go away for a day or two. Because you don't know what will happen in that house. And we need to raise them so we can be confident that they'll, that they'll perpetrate our values. And then be consistent. Having the clear boundaries is critical, but being consistent is also important. Some days you'll be very tired. Some days you feel like it's not the worst. I just don't have the, the energy to do this today. I just don't want to do it, so I'm going to ease up today. Or sometimes in a home, mom and dad aren't consistent. Um, one becomes the heavy and one becomes the light. So in my house when I grew up, mom would say, wait till your father gets home. And so dad was the heavy. And some of you uh, dads are like that. Sometimes it's the mom who's the heavy. I don't think that's fair because here's what the kids will do. They will do end arounds. When they want to get something, they know who the softy is. So the girl says, dad said I couldn't, but mom, what do you say? And all of a sudden, parents disagree. Sometimes um, couples will disagree in the midst of discipline. Now, this has happened in our home, and maybe this has happened to you, where you're standing watching the heavy in your household just go off on one of the kids, and you go, I don't agree with that. And so you've got two choices. One is to stop your spouse in the midst of it and say, honey, you're wrong, and create this real tense atmosphere in front of your kids. Or you can go private and talk to your spouse and say, uh, I'll just tell you, my wife did this once with me. After I disciplined my son, she said, I think you were over the top. I said, what do you mean over the top? He deserved that. She goes, did you see the, did you see the expression on his face? Honestly, I said, I don't care. <laughs> and she said, you ought to care. That's your son. I think you owe him an apology. Now, I'm ready to discipline my wife. (laughs) But she was right. And she was right. And I had to go in and apologize to my son for what I had done. But you know, I appreciate this, that she didn't argue with me publicly. We talked it over privately. And I think couples, sometimes you have to do that to get on the same page, to be consistent, um, even be consistent with the different personalities of your children. Sometimes you have a child that you look at and she cries because she sees the displeasure in your face. And you, oh, I'm sorry, mom and dad. And then you've got another one that's just, spank me, I don't care. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> oh, that didn't even hurt, dad. <laughs> oh, I think you're going to hit me harder? That doesn't hurt either, dad. You know, and then dad, you want to, oh, I'm ready to pound him in the ground. I, I, I will tell you this. If you have a strong-willed child, and most of us end up with at least one of them, if you have a strong-willed child, you, don't, you cannot beat them into submission. Now, you think you can, and you can get behavior modification. You will not win their hearts that way. So if all you, all you want to do is get them to behave, yeah, you can beat them like a horse or an animal and get them to do it, but you will not win the heart. And so uh, if you have a strong-willed child, that's a challenge because they are pushing hard for you to demonstrate why they should trust you as the pack leader. And if you have a strong-willed child, it's a blessing. That kid's going to grow up to be someone very special or he's going to end up in prison. One of the two. And you need to harness that energy and help them because sometimes they've got, they got bad self-control and they get out of control and you're helping them to bring them in line. So be consistent. Finally, be controlled. Few parents set out to hurt their children. But like Adrian Peterson, they get out of control. I would give you this bit of advice. Do not discipline verbally or corporately while you are angry. 
Um, listen, to this, listen to this statement. Um, Jeremiah writes this in, the book, in his book, The Prophet Jeremiah. Listen to his plea before the Lord. Discipline me, Lord, but only in due measure. Do what's fair, not in your anger, or you will reduce me to nothing. That's the way we want God to discipline us, right? Not in your anger, God, but give me what's fair. So sometimes you have to pull yourself aside. I'm too emotional right now. There will be consequences, but Daddy will get back to you. Mommy will get back to you, or your mom and dad will get back to you in a little bit. But right now, we're just too upset to talk about it. Because you'll say things you'll regret, you'll say things that are very hurtful, and you can do things with your hand or with a board or a switch that's very damaging. And that, that's where I would caution you, if you do corporal punishment, never, ever do it out of anger. Because the likelihood that you can cross the line is very high. Be controlled. You know, I look at the referees in sports games. You've got referees who are calling. You never see referees... Um, enforcing consequences out of anger, do you? When was the last time you saw a referee saying, I cannot believe it. It, it, That's the fifth time I've called holding on that guy. He makes me so mad. You know, the the referee just says, holding, here's a consequence for it again, one more time. There's always a consequence when you do this, so you better learn. You know, the, the referee is able to be controlled. I think as parents, we need to be in a place where we're controlled. You know, you broke the rule, here's the consequence. Do I have to get angry and, and vent and have a, go into a rage over it? Probably not. Just let him know this behavior leads to these kinds. I know I'm being idealistic, but that's, that would sure help. And explain as you enforce. You knew the consequence for this, and here's why the consequence is for that. I don't know how the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today as the whisperer, but if you're like me, I've made mistakes in this process. But you know what? I'm, I'm not the kind of parent who says, I'm going to throw my hands up and just not do anything. I want to learn to be better. And I think most of you are like that. You want to do better. And maybe you've crossed that line. Maybe you're one of those parents who said, you know what? I was too tough on my kids. I need to go back and apologize to my teenager for what I said to her or said to him, to my little one that I hit too hard, to, 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 to my wife who I fought with over this issue. I need to, I need to seek repentance in the midst of this. Some of you... Um, need to say, I need to step up my game. I thought being loving meant I didn't do anything that would hurt my kids, but I now understand hardship and sometimes pain is a good thing to help prepare us because we're being trained for a life that is difficult. It's hard. We want our kids to succeed because the, the training and the guidance, the training and the correction in the Godward direction is what discipline is all about. We want our kids to be more like Christ. We want them to love the Lord more and live in a way that reflects his character. And you know what? I love the fact that when you get to see your grandkids, and we're at the place where we're seeing that now, we look at our grandkids and we're happy watching them grow up in the care of our daughter and our son-in-law. So I'm going to close in prayer, but here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want to invite our prayer partners to come up front because some of you need to linger on this for a little bit. And the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. And maybe as a couple, you need to come together on the same page. And we just want to lay that before the Lord. Because I want to tell you this. This may be the most important aspect of your parenting with your kids. Right now, to get this thing right, maybe the most important thing you can do in the life of your kids. Can I say this to the children here too? Let me throw up one other verse up on the screen here. The book of Proverbs has a word for the children. Listen to advice and accept discipline 
And at the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Sometimes we think our parents are being mean when they discipline us. You need to know this. You are wise. You accept the discipline from your parents. When it's done in a, in a good manner, not, a, not a, 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 a revengeful kind of approach. It's a good thing. And you're a wise son or daughter who's learned well. Maybe you need to tell your mom and dad today, thank you for the times you've been tough on me because I'm a better person because of that. And then maybe some of you kids even need to come up for prayer. Say, God, I fought against my mom and dad all this time, and I understand they do this because they love me. So let's pray, and then if you need prayer, we're up here for you. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the fact that you love us. Because you love us, you discipline us. Help us to raise our kids like you raise us. In Jesus' name, amen.